My name is David, and this is The Big Shut-In. It's Thursday, September 17th, 2020, day 187 of Family Lockdown. And today, I spoke to Nicole Easterday. She is someone who's very special to my family. She's my wife's best friend. And she's a tremendously strong person and a person of great resourcefulness and gumption. And she started her own business several years ago doing something she was really passionate about, which is making cheese and teaching other people to make cheese in the Bay Area where she lives. And this experience of COVID quarantine for her has been one of stretching those wells of resourcefulness beyond even the extraordinary points where she's generally able to make them reach. It's You're going to hear a story of someone who is really hustling and working hard to shuffle things and rearrange them and and say, okay, that this has changed and I'm going to do this and that didn't work. Okay, so now I'm going to do this over here. And to a point that's, I think, really amazing. But there's only so much you can hustle. There's only so many ways that the elements of a life can be rearranged. And I think like a lot of people in this situation, she's kind of running out of ideas and inspiration for finding new ways to reshuffle. You know, being an entrepreneur is already so hard and so scary. And being a parent is already so hard and so scary that even when you're doing well at both of them, you're you're kind of working at capacity. And then to have to pile on all this other stuff, it's hard. It's hard for everybody. It's been hard for her. And I think she tells a really amazing story about dealing with all of that. So without further ado, here's Nicole. All right. So how are you doing? You know, it's a funny day to ask me how I'm doing because it is literally the worst day I've had in seven months. <laughs> but thanks wow. for asking. <laughs> well, and I honestly, I, I get the impression that it's had some competition from other days. It has, it has some competition. Yeah. You know, it's funny. My whole life, I've, I grew up without a lot and made do with it. And, you know, I've always been a very motivated, incredibly driven person. And so when I'm faced with, with adversity, I've always just like worked harder. And at some point, I've never hit this point in my life. And I feel like I'm coming awfully close to it right now. At some point, you there's no more to give, you just literally cannot work harder. And I, I'm coming really close to that. I feel dangerously close to that. Yeah. Well, what do you, what do you think is going to happen? I mean, I know, what I, there's you a point that? Where you, <laughs> what's the follow-up question? Well, <laughs> I mean, is working hard, I mean, there are other things you can do maybe other than work harder, maybe? Yeah. So, you know, I, I'll give you you know, kind of a a little background. I don't even know how much you're aware of, but you know, when I obviously teach cheese making classes and I have for 10 years and I 
I love it. You know, I somewhere around, I don't know, last February, I was at the peak of my game. I was, I get all five-star Yelp reviews. I teach these amazing classes that people are thrilled to give me a good amount of money to come to. And, you know, they're pretty great. And I was eking out a, a decent Bay Area living. It would be a small fortune in other places, but here it was enough to live a, a, a decent living. And really enjoying what I do. And really, there were very few days at work, quote unquote, that that I didn't love. Every now and again, I get something kind of annoying happen, as anyone who runs a business has. But, you know, it was pretty great. Kids were in school, you know, got to hang out with them (laughs) at a reasonable reasonable pace Um, (laughs) and and things were going okay. But of course, when, when we were locked down, I mean, I started being really careful in my classes in February, but I think the last class I did was maybe February 27th or something because I started being nervous about what I was hearing from China and, you know, just around the globe. And so when when we got our official lockdown, it was like, okay, obviously classes will be closed for a while. And I was really grateful that I have the kind of customer base that they weren't all clamoring for refunds right away. So I was really happy about that. I knew I needed to do things to keep people, you know, aware of me. And frankly, that's just what I do. If I can't do what I do, then I do something else. So I started focusing on how to record videos, doing YouTube content. I did a couple of YouTube videos and released those out, tried to get people to watch them. I thought, oh, you know, people do this YouTube thing. Maybe that's something I could do. And it it worked, it worked pretty well, but it made me realize the more I got into it that I would have to put out a video a day to get anywhere near where I would have income. And while I was putting out a video a day for the next year, I'd be you know, focusing a lot of effort on that. So I put a lot of time into learning how to edit videos and all of that kind of stuff. And so that happened. And then I kind of switched gears and thought, okay, well, I'm going to do video classes now. These classes are what I love. They're what I do. And so I started doing these virtual classes. I launched a Patreon. Do you know what that is? Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, it's a virtual tip jar kind of, you know. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, or, it is kind of like that. It's like or, a, or maybe a membership. A tin, a tin cup full of pencils you wave. I don't know. Somewhere <laughs> somewhere between. I don't know. But it's a thing. Yeah, I do know what Patreon is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I launched a Patreon and I actually started getting something like, I think I had at the peak $800 a month that people were were giving to me to produce content and to have access to content. And frankly, you know, a lot of people did it because they were, they heard my story and they were afraid that, you know, I, we lost an income in the family, like just overnight, not even a, a, a slight decrease over time. It was immediately, it was like being fired. So I think a lot of people gave to that just to, because they felt bad. And a lot of our friends, frankly, were able to keep their jobs. And I think they wanted to help the small business owners that they knew as best they could. So I started doing content for that. 
That was really fun. It was actually, I called them follow along virtual events that people got access to if they were members of my Patreon at the $25 a month level or above. They could come to all the events they wanted for free. And so I got this pack of women, which was really cool, like maybe 12 or 15 women who came to every single class I offered, including my grandma, which was maybe the best part. (laughs) So every yeah, it was amazing. So every Sunday or Saturday, we'd all meet together and we'd learn a new cheese together and we were in each other's kitchens. And it was really intimate and really beautiful, honestly, because, you know, it was tended to be no more than 15 people. And that was really fun. And then, you know, I'm still like wondering, you know, 800 a month is amazing, but it's not a salary that you can live off of. Not, so in, still just not in Oakland, right? I mean, it's not. Not in Oakland. Yeah. I mean, not probably somewhere. I was going to say maybe where I grew up in the Midwest, but not, not, not in Oakland. Not. I mean, that's like my two electric bills. <laughs> <laughs> right. Totally. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's the car and the two electric bills. It's really won't even buy food. So I was just trying to figure out what else to do. And Kind of as a, this is a long way of going about telling you this, and I apologize, but. No, I'm enjoying it. I mean, it's, it's, it's been a funny thing that we're all so in our, I mean, you guys are some of our closest friends. I think of you that way. And, and I have no idea what you've been up to for the last six months. I, everybody's been so in their own kind of misery bubbles (laughs) trying to deal with like the immediate like everything's become so immediate and like what is the crisis that's right in front of me like mm-hmm. being aware of the larger circle has been kind of hard i think i'm i'm amazed of, about all this and excited to hear it kind of yeah i think you're right it's it's so weird that we're told to you know socially distance whatever that means distance socially And what most of us have done is tuck in entirely. So even people like you guys who I didn't see in person anyway, it's just we've all had so much more put on our plates. I mean, we have children home full time, which is something that, you know, people do, but not people with multiple jobs. And Well, it was never it was never my plan. (laughs) <laughs> but, yeah no and no and and I, I mean yeah just time you know just just the yeah, the, the, the constant drumbeat of you know tasks but anyway I so mean, you, you you've got this oh go ahead i'm sorry i was just gonna say not to mention like you don't want to call somebody who you haven't seen in months and just be like so how's it going ah! <laughs> are you as miserable as i am <laughs> So anyway, I I was I I've been working on this project for a couple of years where there's a new location, a brand new marketplace that was opening up near my house and they had courted me for a while to do my cheese making classes there. It was very appealing because it was close to home and I was planning on opening it up as a second location. And so I'd been, you know, working on that for a couple of years and had some money sunk in that. And when this all happened, you know, my Berkeley cheese making location is completely shut down. The the construction on the second location is halted, although that store has the base of a grocery store, a butcher, a baker, a candlestick maker, all but the candlestick maker. 
And so they were considered essential business. So they halted construction on my part, which was social, and they kept the rest of it going. So I was at a tenant meeting and the woman who owns the grocery store, she kind of pulled me aside and said, you know, I've wanted to send people to your virtual classes. I'm going to buy a bunch of tickets for people to go to one. What should I send them to? And we talked a little bit. And then she said, and we still need someone to open our cheese counter. And she'd asked me before, but I was so buried in work that I loved that I couldn't even entertain it. I had passed her on to someone else. And I thought, well, hmm, I don't know. <laughs> and I went home and I thought about it. And she's an incredible human. And I thought, well, it's, I don't know how to open a cheese counter, but I don't know why I couldn't figure it out. So I jumped on it and I spent the next, I don't know when that was, maybe June through, uh, let's say August, building their cheese counter. And it was incredible and it was fun and it was outside the house and the people who came by were excited to see it. And I was learning a ton and working with a really great colleague of mine who provided me tremendous support in just how do I do this? How do I do that? So I I spent this time outside of the house, like feeling invigorating and feeling alive and really enjoying doing something, working as a consultant, an essential worker, because I was in a grocery store, but also as a consultant. And this meant that we lost some friend pods because now I'm an essential worker. And so... Oh, the friend pods. I don't know if you've had the pleasure of being either nudged out of a friend pod or not invited into one in the first place, but it's like being in middle school again. Have you guys done the pod? Well, no. I mean, we've podded. The family obligations took up our podding. Right. Yeah. Um, But. And and now we're sort of in an education pod of a kind, right? But that's a longer right. story. But yeah, no, I I mean we had so much like traveling that we had to do to see family that yeah, that, that kind of that that was the pod, and we couldn't expand it because somebody... of you know right. so you know yeah compromised people uh, that we needed to see. So, but what? Tell me about the pod. Tell me about the the friend pod scene. Well, I heard somebody on NPR describe it as talking to our friends who were potted up with is a lot like they're trying to teach young people to talk about sexual relationships. And I found this idea completely fascinating. So you have to talk about all the angles of things that you're comfortable with and you almost need a safe word and you need to talk about it before it becomes a crisis. And so just like sexual relationships, you want to say, okay, if our relationship is open, what does that mean? And who's involved? And what's your interaction with them? And what kind of protection are we all using? And I just thought, oh, my God, that's why it's so heartbreaking, because you have to be completely comfortable with someone. You have to be okay when someone, so for example, we had a, we have a friend who is our daughter's best friend, and we love his family so much. They're really like our people. They're two blocks from our house. They, we take turns cooking ramen night for each other or cooking taco night for each other. Like we just really bond. Like if you guys live closer to us, if we hang out the way 
the way we would hang out, right? So we feed each other and that's how we show our love language. And, but they live um, in a house with another family. And the other family we really like too, we're not quite as close with them, but the other family was really uncomfortable with including us in their pod. And so we kind of got like nudged out of the pod and every rational adult piece of me knew that it was because of safety reasons and this and that and the other. But the the heart of me was broken. You know, why for would me, you choose them over us? Your heart was saying, right? right? Because they live because they live together. But but also for my child, who you know, my youngest Josie, she's four, and she is really both of my kids are really social, and she's just been destroyed through this thing. She has nobody, and you know, she plays with her brother, but he's three and a half years older, and she's dissolving into something really terrible. And I realize it's all on us. You know, we can't blame any daycare. We can't blame. It's, it's totally because she's not getting the attention. She's not getting the enrichment that she needs. And it's, it's really showing in behavior. And, you know, so this is part of why today was such a hard day is that I see what's happening to her. And I feel like we've missed the point of intervention and now we're just trying to scramble out from underneath the quicksand and I don't know how to do it but anyway that's the pod so that that was our first pod ousting which was the hardest the first one's the hardest I don't know <laughs> I think you're, um, uh, there's so many things I want to I want to jump into there I mean the 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 sex metaphor I think is very interesting because also yeah well also in like the the negotiation of things you didn't realize you were gonna have to negotiate like mm -hmm. stuff that just like I oh of course I do this like doesn't everybody right <laughs> and then yeah. you realize that they yeah. don't you know and right. then you know that intimacy you know like when you're learning to be in a relationship where you're just like, oh, I can't just put my feet there. Like, okay. No, but so, yeah. and, and I, so I think that's, but the, I mean, the, the thing here, at least on this in New York, I see more than the friend pods. There are the friend pods though. We just kind of, like I said, removed ourselves from that whole negotiation early is a lot mm -hmm. of the kind of outdoor mask on play dates. Yeah which is a poor substitute, I guess, but the kids got more used to that than I thought they were going to. You know what I mean? Like, they, yeah, they're very flexible, aren't they? Children yeah. are very malleable they're, they're, more than we are. They're cool. I mean, they're both going to school half day right now, as of last week, wearing wow, masks, in person. wearing masks the whole time. Whoa. And, and Helen, Helen's preschool, you know, is in preschool. It's like there's like six kids in her class. They're all wear masks the whole time. And she's so far doing okay. And she's, you know, not yet three. So. I mean, it's got to be one of those things where it's hard to, there are some children that won't keep their pants on all day. Well, that's, that's and what her <laughs> teacher said. That's what her uh, teacher said. It's like kids don't, kids don't want to wear pants, but we force them to wear pants yeah. and they do. <laughs> so you tell them to wear a mask, they wear a mask, you know, like they, it's a thing they equally don't want to do, you know, yeah. but they figure it out. Yeah, it makes sense. There's always that one kid who has to take their pants off and there's going to be the kid who takes, I mean, it, it's, it's also complicated, isn't it? Who knew we were going to be navigating all of this when we decided to have children and 
chose the beautiful daycares that we would send them to. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. But so how's, how's, how's Jack doing? Jack is holding our family together somehow. He is, I don't know how he's doing it. He loves homeschool, first of all. He's the type of kid who has a really hard time sitting through what we would think of as as normal public school, where you have to sit and listen, you have to raise your hand, you have to stay completely still and not fidget and not get distracted. That's really hard for him. But I'm finding that a flexible schedule for him where if he gets frustrated and he needs to get up and move his body, he comes back refreshed. He comes back and ready to learn. And so one thing, we have so many months to catch up on, but I'll, I'll tell it quickly. He, in March, when they let their school out early, they sent us home with a bunch of packets. And so he and I worked diligently through the packets together because March was a time when my business had kind of plunked down to nothing. And I hadn't really figured out what I was going to do next and how I was doing videos, you know, for an hour in the day, and then I'd edit them until 2am, but I had time in the morning to spend with him. So we did a lot. And then in when they started school back up again, it's 100% distance learning here. And he goes to a San Leandro uh, school near Oakland. And um, they were third graders logging on for an hour and then off for 45 minutes, on for 45 minutes, on for off for an hour, you know, like off and on, off and on all day long. And the stress that it caused us, like, oh my God, where are you supposed to be right now? Because we're doing other things too. We're not full-time just sitting next to him. And we've got a four-year-old who's turning into some version of herself um, that I hope doesn't last long. And so the stress of just yelling, we were yelling at him all the time, like, where are you supposed to be right now? Like, as an eight-year-old, he has any concept of where he's supposed to be right now. And so we were setting alarms, and we didn't know what the alarms were for. It was really frustrating. So I started researching homeschool, which is something that, that Jared is very, 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 very against, and that I have... Jared, your husband. I really don't. My husband. That's right. Thank you. He's super against it. And I never thought it would be something I'd want to look into, but what we were doing with public school was not working. And so I was ready to pull the trigger. I found curriculum. I found, you know, what we needed. And the idea was that if I could control the pace and I knew what the content was, then I could help him instead of constantly yelling at him. Because what was happening, he'd go in with the teacher for an hour he'd mostly be screwing around. He'd get off and he wouldn't know what he was supposed to do or what he learned or what their, you know, what the instructions were because he was playing with Legos or reading a book on the side or who knows what he was doing. So I thought if I could control it, we can do it in the times that work for me. If I have a a class, I teach the class, I, I teach him before or after both. So I called this teacher who's amazing. And I said, listen, I know the schools lose funding if people pull out and do homeschool. And I believe in public school. I don't want to be the person that causes a downfall of public schools. I don't want to contribute to it. And I said, but the schedule is really hurting our family. We really cannot do it well. 
and I and I said all the, the disclaimers, like I realize that it comes from a point of privilege that I can even say that. And then I said, but it's actually not privilege because I've lost my entire livelihood. <laughs> I realized that this, I realized that, that, like I said, all the things, you know, the guilt in me of, of being able to have an option like this. And I said, but I'm, I'm considering homeschooling him. I don't want to, but it's the only thing I can think of. And I wonder what you think of that. And you know what she said? She said, you know, I know this is hard on, on some kids, like certain kids really struggle with it. It's hard on everybody. We're doing the best we can. And I appreciate that you appreciate that because I really praised how she's managing it. And then she said, all you have to do, I don't know if I should even make this public on, on the radio, but I'm going to say it. All you have to do is log in to one of our Zoom calls once a day, make sure his attendance is taken and turn in some sort of assignment on Seesaw once a day. It can be something we're working on, we're working on some great things, and she gave me some ideas. Or it can be something that you're working on with your son at home. Just show that you're doing work and turn it in, and I can count you as present. It turns out I learned from someone else, not this teacher, that in California, the schools are being held harmless this year because of the state of emergency, which means that regardless of participation, they won't lose funding for next year. So oh, well, that's, that's she, good. it's amazing. And so she basically gave me permission to educate him as I saw fit. She gave me a ton of resources. We still meet one-on-one -on -one once a week, like we did before. And he logs in once a day, usually the first meeting of the day, so I can see if they're doing anything cool that he should join in on. And then we do, I bought two curriculum or two curricula. It's a one online and one that's all printed and we're working on that and it's working fairly well. I think it's, I, I almost cried when she basically gave me permission to do it and said it wouldn't hurt anyone. So that's huge. I mean, knowing how my child learns and he, I know he's not the only one. I, I would come in during his calls and he'd have the screen on and his back to it and he's doing something else. He would be, one day I came in, he was on the couch with the computer and I couldn't hear the teacher. He had the volume turned all the way down. I said, why is the volume down? You can't hear her. Turn it, turn it up. And you know what she was saying? Jack, Jack, is someone getting it for you? Jack, is somebody get Jack? Why aren't you getting the thing? She's talking to him, and he has the volume off. <laughs> that's hilarious. I'm sorry, but that's really funny. I was I, like, "What are the chances?" I kind of. I got to be honest. That reminds me a lot of my own experience in elementary school, and I was there. I was in class doing that. Okay, so we we dropped off the narrative of your your work adventure. You were, yeah. you had this wonderful opportunity. You're, 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 you're monging your heart out there. I'm currently shutting down my Berkeley space. So the end of this month is, is the end of that. So I'm selling furniture on Craigslist, which is oh. just as inspirational as you can imagine. You know, it's, it's heartbreaking to shut down that space and to, to get rid of the stuff. And Yeah. That's hard. It's been really hard. I've I've been kind of just burying it underneath because I have so much else I have to do. And with all the schooling and everything else, trying to keep my business afloat, I haven't really been able to focus on the loss that's there. But there's a real, and there's so much, there's so much loss, just not just 
financial, not just business. There's so many things. Like we were working on moving my mom out here to live with us. And then, you know, she's super high risk for COVID. So I've lost that opportunity. And then with the smoke here, I don't know if you knew, sir, we had something like 30 spare the air days, which means days that you just really shouldn't go outside where the windows were closed. It was so hot. And, you know, no one out here has air conditioning because we open the windows at night. But you couldn't open the windows and you couldn't go outside and you couldn't go, you know, in normal times, we might go to a movie theater or go to Target, anything to get out of the house to escape the, you know, the shut in. But there's no outlet right now. As an example, my daughter, who's four, last night was the first night we could eat outside in like a month. And she had a complete screaming meltdown that lasted hours because she refused to go outside because the air wasn't safe. And so she's got it in her head that the air, the very air around us is poisonous, that people can't, you can't be near people, that you can't breathe the air. You can't, I mean, I don't want to say what else because there could always be more and I don't, I'm not interested in it, but do you think, I mean, do you think she's going to bounce back from, I mean, she's going to bounce back from this, but the the, the fear is that you're, she's just going to become an agoraphobe and hang on to that for the, you know, for the, I don't, you know, I don't know. There are so many fears. My biggest fear is that she, we are teaching her that she doesn't rate on our list of important things to tend to right now. Oh, that breaks my goddamn heart. How could that be that she can't, that can't be true that you're teaching. I mean, the number of times a day that I have to say, hang on, not right now. I'm on the phone. I am answering an email. I'm helping Jack with his homework. I'm the number of times a day that I have to say that is excruciating and she's absorbing it. And she's, she's acting out in a way that I've never seen her act out. And it's, it's really painful. It's hard to watch. So what in, into this catalog of uh, challenges, what, what made today so tough? If you don't mind my asking. Uh, I think the building pressure of closing down my space has been hiding underneath but today was really about my daughter. You know, she's just, I just don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with her. I, my son was really hard when he was a baby and a toddler. And I've, I've learned him. You know, I figured out what he needs. And I think I know what she needs. It just feels impossible to give everywhere that I'm expected to give right now. Um, oh, I know our, that one. Yeah. Right? It's There's really, only... It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. And she she needs attention. She needs friends. She needs enrichment. So the last, past couple of days, after I kind of... I kind of narrowed in on what I think it is she needs, we started doing some projects. And we can do projects, but it only can last so long. And then, you know... She, yeah, it's just, 
it's just really hard. She needs a lot more than she's getting and she's acting out and holy cow, she is way just full on nuclear warfare and I've never seen anything like it. She can really dig in. I'm sorry I'm laughing. I just picturing it so no. She's uh she's a force. She's a serious force. She terrifies me. And she's four. <laughs> I mean, help us. What's she gonna be like when she's seventeen? Be... You know, like that's I know, exactly. Well, and she used to be such I mean, and she still is when she's when she's getting what she needs, but always so loving, so caring and generous and thoughtful and aware of other people and just, you know, like such a good human. And I know that's still in there, but it's just being overcome by this anger. And I, I can only be patient for, I tend to be in our family. I tend to be patient for a very long time, but heaven forbid you see me snap because when mama snaps, it is not pretty. And so today she's just like screaming and yelling and telling me, no, I won't do this and you can't make me. And, you know, so awful. This is such a beautiful moment in our, in our life. And I, we're in the bathroom then I'm trying to do something. Who knows what, there's no place to be alone. And I just grab the, the soap bottle and I just throw it into the bathtub in like a fit of rage. Cause I'm just so, I can't, I can't hold it in. I can't handle it anymore. I'm breaking. Yeah. And she sits on the toilet and starts crying. And she says, I'm just a little kid. Oh. Little kids can't control when they have to cry. And I'm trying my best. And I'm just a little. And she spe speaks. I'll do her, her language. Uh, I'm just a little kid. And then I'm like, well, I'm the worst human in the world, <laughs> even though every bit of me wanted to throw it at her. You know that, right? But I, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I snapped. And so I'm showing her how to act like, oh, here's what we do when we can't handle it anymore. We just throw stuff. That's really helpful. Yeah, no, I've definitely <laughs> been teaching my children how to scream. And I, <laughs> yeah. and I. I feel awful about it, but I just, and ours is sort of the reverse situation. It's different. It's a different situation, but you know, yeah. Helen, our, our daughter is just, just has this amazing capacity to find joy in things and wonder where she'll oh, just sort of that. pick something up off the ground and be like, this is my thing. And she'll invent a whole story about it. And, and <laughs> she's really happy much more than she's not and she'll sort of practice being mad just to sort of see what it's like you know i'm yeah. mad about yeah. that but it's obviously you know but it's you an know, act walter you know our son is does have a, a large capacity for anger and for um mm -hmm. darkness of different kinds you know where he just he just gets very i think he feels things very intensely and he doesn't always know yeah. how to handle it and I think maybe I, I share that quality. And so mm -hmm. we'll work each other up where he'll get mad about something and I'll get mad about it. And I, I realize, you know, I'm the daddy. I'm supposed to be the one who's diffusing this situation. and But I just don't have, I'm just exhausted. I've been trying yeah. to work and, to, and I just don't, it's like I see the right path, but I don't have the emotional energy to like, to not be mad and, yeah. and I'm a yeller when I'm mad. And so, you know, it's just, 
it's tough. It's really hard to, you know, there's all this stuff written about positive parenting and how you have to do it this way and you have to be calm and you have to, it's like, well, I, that's nice of you to say, but the fact is when I'm mad, <laughs> it's hard yeah. to, yeah. you know, or frustrated or just overwhelmed or can't, you know, please stop doing that thing that I just told you to stop doing 37 times. And now I have to scream at you because there's no other options, yeah. you know, like. It's hard. It's you know? so funny because that's how they feel too. You know, it, it totally. really gives you kind of an insight. Like if I'm, totally. if I'm breaking like this, I'm the kind of person I don't cry. I don't know if you know this about me. I cry all the time at like a Folgers commercial, you know, mm. where the son comes home from the military. I cry at, at meaningless stuff. I little stories, you know, someone dog, someone's dog dies. I'm going to cry with them, but I don't, I don't cry over, over real life things. I just don't. I usually think, well, okay, I have to do something to get beyond this, right? I, I'm a doer. But I, cr I cry when I'm frustrated, when I feel helpless. It's the only thing that can really make me cry. And I sat down on the floor like 15 minutes before our call, David. I sat on the floor in the bathroom and I cried. And of course, my daughter oh. said, well, why are you crying? This was after this big thing. Why are you crying? I said, you made me cry because you were mean to me. And so she, oh. of course, says, you don't love me and stomps off with all the you don't love me. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> How could I make this worse? What more could I say? But I want her to understand that her mean words have consequences. Yeah. And so then, of course, my mean words have consequences. It's like, oh. I what she fails to understand is that as as Neil Young ably observed, only love can break your heart, that if you didn't love her <laughs> as much as you do, it wouldn't upset you so much when she was mean to you. I wouldn't care. Well, yeah. I actually send these words to her. If, I, if, if you weren't my most treasured thing, I wouldn't care if you were mean. But because I want you to grow up being a kind person, I can't have you say these things. Forget about to me. You can't say them to anybody. Well, I got it. I think I have to sign off. I got it. I've I've over overstayed my um my uh, <laughs> childcare exemption by about fifteen I'm sure minutes. I have too. Well, I love you guys, and I'm. I hope I hope things look sunnier soon. That's all. Love you say. too. Take good care. It'll all be right. fine. Just all right. one foot in front of the other. You know what? It will. <laughs> That's the thing. We're gonna come through. I think one way or another. My name is David Hoffman, and this is The Big Shut-In. I produce this show, post-production by Garrett Tiedemann. It's a production of Race Car Radio. If you're enjoying this series, I'll also steer you to our new sister series, COVID University New York. In it, the very talented Shar Adams takes a comprehensive look at life under COVID by using the City University of New York, CUNY, as a microcosm. You can find it at racecarradio.com and wherever you get podcasts. If you have feedback for me or a story that you think might be a good fit for this show, please do reach out at thebigshutin at racecarradio.com. 